Welcome to the Business Gorillas Podcast, where the biggest, baddest, and most fearless business owners pull the curtains back and reveal their most tightly guarded secrets and strategies. With your host, serial entrepreneur and marketing visionary, Josh Rosenberg. Buckle up. It's time to get started. All right. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another edition of the Business Gorillas podcast. As always, I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg. Today, I am joined by Andy Pedic of the founderist.club, or as he likes to call it, uh, just founderist. Just wanted to throw in the .club so that you know the URL is not .com. Um, but Andy, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Josh. This is awesome. Sure, sure. I'm um, thrilled to have you, man. So for anyone that doesn't know, could you tell us a little bit about your business, what it does, who it helps, and all that? Absolutely. So Founderist is a new endeavor. I've owned several businesses in the media and communication space. And one business that I'm involved in, my co-founder and business partner owns a business doing matchmaking. She does dating matchmaking for singles in Colorado, and she's become one of the premier matchmakers in the country for people finding love, which included developing this kind of proprietary method that uses psychographic information and a lot of that uh, qualitative information versus just the how tall are you and do you have a dog? So I actually just came off of selling a media company that I built producing podcasts that I started during the pandemic. And... We had been doing some stuff together. We'd been helping entrepreneurs get on news and magazines, doing publicity work. And we just realized that if you're trying to promote a small business, getting exposure is fine. But so many people are obsessed with Facebook ads and Instagram ads and search engine work. Really old school referrals are the way to go. Meeting other humans that can be expanders for your network, depending on what kind of service you provide, obviously. But more and more people I see joining these in-person networking groups that cost thousands of dollars a month. And they say, oh, well, we're limiting to one person in each industry and you'll get all these referrals. But that doesn't mean any of the other people in your group have anything in common with you or shared values or somebody that you actually want to send your high value targets to um, or clients to. So we started Founderist to do business matchmaking, utilizing Abby's matchmaking systems and pairing people in one-on-one -on -one introductions, mastermind groups, and uh, online speed dating, speed networking events for entrepreneurs to find co-founders, collaborators, referral partners, mentors, and really anything they want based on their geography, their industry, their values, their growth stage, or their skill set. That's a long list, but hopefully that explains it. No, no, that's great. And um you know, I completely agree with everything you said about um, some of the networking groups. I've done those for years, you know, for over 20 years, I've been, uh, I've gone to them or attended conferences, industry events, all of that stuff. And there's times where you'll go and you can't help but sign new clients. Like you don't even have to try. It happens super easy and that's awesome. And then other times it's like, you feel like everyone there is just desperate bottom feeders, just wanting to give you their business card and whether you have anything to do with their industry or not uh it's you almost feel like you wasted your time and your energy you would have been better off just staying home or staying in the office and you know doing whatever just relaxing even so you know having the the time the money the energy 
and the excitement to, to get up and get dressed and uh, put your best face forward to go to these events when it's a crapshoot, that's something that, that can be a real turnoff if after a couple of times, nothing's come of it. So I like uh, the mission of founders of basically curating people that make sense to get to know each other. So and one of the big cool. things is these, even just the, and there's several national franchises, we could rattle off some of the names, but some of these, one of the hot things right now is to have a branded community. And mm -hmm. here in Colorado, there are a ton that are women's groups that people join and they go to monthly events and there's in-person and virtual things. But I know multiple people who have hired these super high ticket coaches, or they've paid super high entry into these development groups where we're talking like 25 to $35,000 and lots of small entrepreneurs don't have the ability to work at that level. If they're in those early stages, scaling stages or whatever, there have been a couple websites over the years where it's been about finding co-founders, but it's always been around the tech space and they've all kind of drifted toward just like a hiring platform for people that are in tech. And so there hasn't been this, uh, I call it solvers and expanders. So a solver would be like, I would like to start a podcast and I really need to meet a producer or someone who's had a successful podcast that could show me the ropes or somebody who knows how to monetize podcasts. I have a need and I want to find someone, but I don't want to just Google podcast producers. I want to find a logical referral from someone who I trust, like a dating matchmaker. And then the other side is expanders where this is probably a referral partner. Like I want to meet someone who is hooked up in the restaurant industry in San Diego because I just moved there and they might be able to tell me all the coolest places to go or who I should meet. And so it's very interesting because we can geotarget based on your actual location or the locations you'd like to work in, uh, or obviously people in your industry space, depending on what you do. But one of the things that I really like to align with people is their skill set versus their industry. So let's say you're an accountant. Uh, people automatically in any kind of networking group would put you in a finance industry and put you alongside investors, bankers, crypto people, whatever. But you might be an accountant for restaurants or an accountant for sports franchises. You know, you would like to be aligned in the sports industry, not in the finance industry. And more and more often, people want to niche down. And so whatever kind of service provider you are, it's cool to be a talented graphic designer. But if you're a graphic designer specifically for fitness franchises or whatever it may be, it's easier to find. So I think this really gives people the opportunity to find that mentor that they've never had before, referral groups organically. And it's just fun to meet somebody when it's been put together by people who know you uh, and the details of your business, uh, confidentially, obviously, and you get introduced to someone and you kind of wonder why, which is the same thrill as going on a first date. So my partner and I both have a pretty big and different networks. I'm from the Northwest. She's from Colorado. She used to work in TV news. I obviously mentioned, I just was running this big media company and getting to help people find love is one of the most fulfilling jobs, especially during the pandemic. And now to be able to replicate her system and take it national and do it for business owners is just such a thrill. We're, we're really excited and it's going really well so far. That's awesome. Um, 
what you're saying just reminded me, I remember reading uh, a little while back that the majority of people, when it comes to politics and elections, the majority of people make up their mind about who they're going to vote for by who they think that they could grab a beer with or, you know, a glass of wine with or a bite to eat with who they would could see being friends with. And so you're kind of taking that same sort of psychology and applying it to business, which, you know, any serial entrepreneur will know there's times when you meet somebody and you just know it's not going to work out or you meet them and you're like, where have you been all my, my life? We have to work together. You know, you, you fit in perfectly in, in the kind of culture we're building. So it's great that you're able to do that and apply to people almost proactively uh, matchmaking them so that the person or the people that you get uh, paired with are going to be most likely to work out to some capacity. So that's very cool. Um, but speaking of serial entrepreneurship, sounds like you were one yourself. Would you mind telling us about the very first venture you ever started and how many ventures did it take before you started to find real success? Yeah, my first one, I mean, there was always those t-shirt companies in high school or snowboarding or whatever, you know, there was, I was always kind of a hustler, but out of school, I, I went to college for advertising and graphic arts and thought I was going to be an ad agency guy. And I actually ended up getting recruited into a management program for a big winery. So I spent about five years learning wholesale sales for wine and liquor and grocery and uh, restaurants and venues and all these things. And I ended up quitting and starting a brewery, which led down the path to owning a marketing agency and a brokerage and a festival business. And I've done a ton of different things. But my first company was actually a cycling team. I uh, moved to Seattle after college and I didn't know anyone and I wanted to be on a regional cycling team. And a lot of people don't know much about cycling. If you know anything about competitive skiing or most sports that are individual or Olympic sports, what happens is there's a national ranking. So if you started racing bikes tomorrow, you would be a U.S. Cycling Federation Category 5. And then Lance Armstrong or the guys on the tour, they're a Category 1. So everyone in the country works on this same system. And if you are a Category 1 or 2, you're making money cycling. Like it might be your job. You're probably on a large-scale team. And the weekend warriors are on the other side. So the Northwest is really big for competitive cycling. And I couldn't find a team that I wanted to be on. It just wasn't a right fit. And at the time I was working with these fancy wine companies and I had worked at a bike shop in college and had several connections in the space. So I ended up starting a team and recruiting about 30 riders and raising a bunch of sponsor money. And we were sponsored by a wine company. And it was this really cool strategy. I know this podcast is about strategy. And yep. all coaches have these stupid names for their proprietary methods, but there's this thing I call the breakthrough triad with my coaching students. And what it is, is you take parties that would not otherwise interact with each other and create a mutually beneficial situation. So the bike shops wanted to sponsor my team because I got us sponsored by this gigantic wine company that had products everywhere and TV commercials and all this stuff. The wine company wanted to sponsor my team because I gave them 35 moving billboards that were literally riding to work every day in a jersey that had their logo on it. But more so than that, I created an opportunity for all of the cyclists on the team 
to not just be athletes who got their stuff paid for and wore jerseys, but active brand ambassadors. So we did uh, wine tasting events where we showed up to their trade events and they had they rolled out their fancy cycling team, like a Formula One car or something. And we did in-store demos and we had raffles and we gave away gear. And we did so much more going back both ways where these riders were excited because sure, they were getting free booze and they were getting fancy stuff that wouldn't come from your local chiropractor or whatever. But we created this team where the cyclists got all this high-end gear from the shops. The shops got all of this exposure by being partnered with this beverage company. The beverage company got all of these active ambassadors to kind of transcend the street team of people just outpouring samples or handing out stickers. So I created this, this circle of people who would have never otherwise interacted with each other. And we were able to rapidly scale into being an advanced team and, you know, providing bikes and traveling and having tons of sponsors. And so it was kind of my weekend warrior endeavor. It was my side hustle for a couple of years when I was out selling booze. And uh, not very many people can say they, they owned a sports team. You know, it wasn't a huge lucrative endeavor for me, but uh, it was a really cool launch pad into athletic sponsorship and event promotion and organizational management and marketing and all of these things that I kind of got to put together uh, the culmination of my skills and interests in marketing and sports and, and networking. That's really cool. That's kind of brilliant, honestly, because I know one of the biggest struggles that a lot of uh, newer entrepreneurs have or people that have tried a lot of things is you've had different jobs and careers throughout your life. You're a different person now than you were in college and, and this and that. And so people get scared and hesitant about totally switching industries because they feel like they have to start over or they don't know how to take um, any connections they may have made or any knowledge they may have gained and apply it to a totally different industry. But you basically just showed, look, I used to work at a bike shop. I used to, to work selling liquor. I'm going to marry the two. Oh, I can also include this. And I can also include that. So you found a way that you're not going to really hear about and an MBA class, but you found a real creative way to take your previous experience and your connections and marry them together to create something that where the, the sum is greater than the parts for, especially no for the, uh, the riders and, you know, creating these new opportunities, which is really cool. Um, what do you think it is that you have learned to, to apply to your businesses that moves the needle more than really anything else? Well, one thing that you just said that really resonates with me is everybody has that Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour thing, right? If you become, yep. spend 10,000 hours learning something, you're in the top 001% of people in the world. And now several years later and having owned a lot of businesses, the thing that I am 10,000 hours in is beverage marketing. And during the pandemic, and I've had clients over the years, I actually ended up owning a bike manufacturing company for a little while. And I've had yoga pants and sunglasses, and I ended up doing other kind of product adjacent marketing and research and development, which is what, you know, my wheelhouse is. But during the pandemic, uh, I had a lot of trouble with clients. You know, we worked with a lot of farmers market food companies and small startups, and people were sending me handwritten notes with you know, tears on them that they couldn't pay their bills. And we did 
discount programs and subsidized things and payment plans. And it just was really hard to be seeing these people who I'd worked with for years just struggling. But meanwhile, I had employees to pay. And it was really hard for me to double down and pay for all of them, providing free services, paying salaries, taking care of my own health. And so I decided to start a media company producing podcasts and empowering storytellers to change kind of the narrative in in online uh, media. You know, at the time, podcast was exploding. In 2018, 2019, there was about 500,000 podcasts on the internet. And that swelled up to over 2 million during the pandemic. People were at home. They didn't have anything to do. Might as well hook up a mic and throw out your ideas. But true crime and uh, scripted drama, sports, those are the big things. And there are mental health things, but we wanted to help families and authors and yogis and holistic and natural medicine people. So I put out a national call for podcast hosts, and we got over 5,000 applications in the first week from people with actual broadcasting background, radio, TV hosts. Uh, but I had everything. We had veterans. We had instructors at NYU Film School. We had retired firefighters. We had people who had written sci-fi novels. I got all these crazy pitches for podcast ideas. And long story short, it turned into a social venture project where for two years, we produced podcasts. We had a studio where we helped people start from scratch. We created an incubator program, but I was able to donate uh, about $235,000 in two years in scholarships, sponsorships, and subsidized services to about 40 different podcasts. And the proprietary ones that we developed garnered over 140,000 hours of listening. And we were able to impact millions of people by empowering voices of people who wouldn't otherwise have a platform because they didn't have the money for it or because they didn't have the, the reach. And so rising tides rise all ships by saying, I produce 25 podcasts that we control the management of. We produced 1500 episodes in 18 months. And we were able to cross promote all of them, cross advertise all of them and help all of these people grow their platforms, which have now gone on to become for some of them, their, their full-time job. So coming back around, I am an expert in developing beer and wine and kombucha products in the top, whatever percent I am not a professional broadcaster. And so when I said out there, there's tons of people with podcasts. I just mentioned there's 2 million of them. And I was overseeing about 70 of those, but it was really the, the uh, altruistic endeavor, the philanthropic thing, our whole team wanted to help and give back. And if I was going to be providing free services for my marketing clients, rather than helping, you know, my local nut roaster who I love, who goes to the farmer's markets, but they were closed. We were able to empower some students or some aspiring broadcasters tell stories to the masses which then evolved into helping entrepreneurs get booked on media because we had this huge reach. And now it's taking those entrepreneurs and helping them connect with each other. Because as you know, there could be thousands of people listening to this podcast right now, but you might not ever interact with any of them in person, or maybe the services you provide are not what, what gets to them directly. So for example, and I know I'm like the most long-winded person, so I'll let you get another question, but my business partner, Abby in Founderist has this matchmaking company, as I mentioned, 
and she had a podcast or she still does. Um, it's called ghosted. It's a modern dating podcast. And she has people all over the country, all over the world that are listening to her podcast, but she only works with high-end singles in Colorado. So all those people that are listening to her podcast, she's written a book. She's come out with a course. Like she has stuff to, to sell to them uh, now, but she was in a position where if 10 people listened to it and two of them signed up for thousands of dollars of dating coaching or therapy, or, you know, she has a stylist, she has a barber, she has all of this stuff for singles. If she was able to sign up two local people, she's making a ton of money. She doesn't care how many listen to her podcast. She cares that local people are handing around the episodes and she can actually prescribe. Okay, Josh, you know, you're a divorced single dad from Kentucky. Uh, you know, here's an episode for you about a, a therapist that I interviewed talking about getting back out there, whatever it is. So she made this kind of catalog of lessons that she could prescribe to people for her daily business versus I had a podcast about esports and talking about video games. And in that case, we just have to get the largest audience we possibly can. You know, he's not selling anything. So the odds are you're putting out high value content, you're interviewing interesting people. And then if you want to monetize it, you can do something like a Patreon or some swag if you have cool branding. But you can see what I mean about converting actual clients from your media. So we set out there to just help all these people. We were making money from, you know, grants and we were donating most of it anyway. But when it came around to it, that hand to hand, you and I build a relationship by me being on your podcast and I send you a copy of my book, or I say, Hey, I know somebody in New York, you need to meet by being on podcasts or by hosting a podcast. A lot of times I've had more value from the people I've interviewed versus the people who listen to my show. So all of that is to say that if you were able to have your podcast fully stocked with people that were going to be the perfect guests and were going to be perfect matches with you and you had somebody who's just going to handle all of that for you, that's kind of where Founder has stepped in. And maybe Podcast Guest is a bad example, but we are providing the opportunity for someone to say, I would like to meet people in Detroit, Michigan, who know about the automotive industry and solar panels. And if we don't have that in our database, we're seeking it out. This is like a headhunter. It's a matchmaker. Absolutely. Uh, and you're preaching to the choir because that's honestly why I started the Business Gorillas podcast. Um, and I'm working with a company right now called My Influence, where they handle a lot of that for me. They paired us together. Um, however, that was and got you booked on this show. I didn't I never heard of your name before today. Um, you know, so that's what they've done. And I've gotten clients as a result of this show. Um, I've had a number of the listeners email me or contact me, but that's not really my concern. I want to try and provide them with the best uh, content I can, but honestly, I've gotten more work as a result of hosting this show. And when I've spoken to some of the, the listeners and some of my other colleagues and friends about it, I've encouraged them to do the same because it's fun. It's easy. You get to meet interesting people. Like I got to meet you today. Um, and you expand your network and you can also make more money and grow your business at the same time. I'd rather be doing this than cold calling or sliding into someone's DMS, like a jag off, totally. you know, cause nobody likes doing that. Um, 
Okay, I've got a feeling you've got more than one of these, but let's try to keep it to, to one, maybe two. I want to hear some either really funny or insane stories that have you've been a part of in some way that are kind of the result of you being a business owner or an entrepreneur, something that if you were working in an office nine to five, you probably never would have experienced. Holy moly. Um, funny. Yeah, I've been, I've been sued. I've had trucks of my beer slide off the road and get destroyed. I've had weird catastrophes of several kinds. I'm trying to think of something that is. Well, hold on. Uh, when the, the beer truck collapses and the beer's going everywhere, how many people are getting out of their cars, filling up their thermoses, which are right. salvage whatever <laughs> bottles they can. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, so yeah, I'm trying to think of something interesting. The, the podcasting stuff was very unique because I got the opportunity to work with so many different people. I, when I'm speaking, I'm really animated. And when I'm in a group of like less than four, I, uh, can be funny. I can, you know, charming even, but I kind of identify as an introvert. And I would rather give a TED talk in front of 2000 people than walk into a bar where I don't know anyone. And so when I started doing this podcasting thing, I've got one that's talking about the bachelor, one that's talking about sex positions, one that's talking about being a mom and doing yoga with your kids turned out to be all these weird things. But of all of the pitches that I got, there were some that were just so unique and one of my favorites was this guy in Cleveland who we did end up working with. He still has a podcast and he is a video game writer and he recently was studying to take the Cicerone exam, which is like a sommelier for beer. And I don't know this guy. Like he sends me an application to our website and he said, I want to do a podcast pairing video games and beer, like a food pairing. And you're kind of scratching your head, like, you know, come again. <laughs> what was that? And he said, well, you know, like a dark game and a dark beer and maybe a brewery from Cincinnati and a game about, I don't know, the Oregon trail. <laughs> I don't know what Cincinnati has to do with the Oregon trail, but he did, he would do all of these things, but it was so funny because he would stream his gameplay on Twitch and then he would drink the beer and he got to the point where he didn't have a huge audience because it's such a niche thing, but the game studios thought it was funny that there was a beer can on there and the breweries thought it was interesting. So he was getting some samples sent out and he got to a point where his few uh, loyal tribe members were actually ordering the beer and tasting it with him while live streaming on Twitch. And it was, and, but there was these super heartfelt stories that came out. This is the brewery where I met my wife and this is my favorite video game from childhood. And somehow it just worked marrying these things together. And I think that's kind of a silly thing that you couldn't tell someone at a bus stop and have them believe you. But if you want to uh, find a way to expand your business, he was trying to become a beer writer and trying to, you know, elevate himself in a very competitive space in video games. So why not review beers and video games at the same time? That's kind of an interesting concept. Like when you first started explaining it, I thought that was just silly. Like you're playing a game. You're just going to drink whatever you normally like to drink. But then the idea of saying, you know, uh, my parents 
were fighting tooth and nail when I was growing up. They had a nasty divorce. Super Mario Brothers 2 kind of helped me through some of those tough times just to kind of escape. So I want to share that game. And then this is the beer that um, I had the day that I met the woman that would become my wife. Wow, that's a really sweet story right there. And so, it goes yeah, back to see. our strategy of, sorry to interrupt, it goes back to our strategy of disrupting like the cycling team of marry a couple things that don't belong and people will show up just to figure out why they belong together. Um, going back to something else you said a few minutes ago about um, you being more of an introvert and you'd rather be able to speak in front of a large audience. I'm the exact same way. I've diagnosed myself as something I coined phobia, the fear of being included. <laughs> I want to be invited to things. I just don't want to be expected that I'll be there. Oh and if God, I do I go, that. I plan to Irish goodbye as soon as humanly possible. But if I'm at a conference, I'm a keynote speaker or on a panel or something, and there's a few thousand people in the audience, I'm perfectly content. You know, the stage fright almost disappears after a certain point. It's more intimidating if the audience is five to 10 people because you notice every little thing that they're doing every foot twitch every time they scratch and they yawn or whatever it is and it's really distracting and uncomfortable so well, it comes down to like and i don't know if it's opposites attract but every woman that i've ever dated was like a former cheerleader or somehow a huge extrovert and you walk into the room and like the lights shine on them and they want to dance and they want to be weird and like this is my nightmare you know <laughs> and so Right now, uh, happen to be very single, but my business partner, who's a matchmaker, uh, which is a great segue, when we go to networking events, we do this thing called the slingshot because she will meet every single person in the room within 20 minutes and they all love her. She's great. It's awesome. But me, I'm a wallflower. I end up talking to the one real estate dude for like 45 minutes and then I Irish goodbye. Long bathroom break, take a phone call, peace. But She'll do this thing where she'll find a group. She'll insert me in there, say, this is my business partner, Andy. He knows a ton about websites and leave me there for about 15 minutes. And I do great. And then she'll pick me up and take me to another one and insert <laughs> me into another group of four or five people. Hey, you got to meet this, this person. And I do fine if it's set up. And this is the exact purpose in, in one room with 50 people, the exact purpose why founders exists. And I don't mean to to harp on it too much, but I'm so excited about this kind of movement. And the greatest example is if you are using a dating app like Match or Bumble or Hinge or whatever is popular in your city, you're putting in how tall you are, where you went to college, and you know what your favorite food is. But that doesn't tell me whether you have a nut allergy or you hate skiing or you have any nuances of your personality or a racist, you know, it doesn't say anything about the stuff that's inside your head that would come out four or five dates later. So a great example is I was interviewing a woman last week that is a TV news broadcaster, and she gets up at three o'clock in the morning to report to the studio. And she has very little time to sleep because she has this weird schedule. And she said, I'm a very light sleeper. And I can't be with a guy that snores. Like it sounds weird, but it's just an absolute deal breaker. I could not live my life because I wouldn't be able to sleep. And that's not something that's like you put on your log line on your bumble snorers need not apply. But if you're working with a matchmaker and you talk to them about your previous relationships, all your deepest preferences, someone who's not judging you when you're talking about religion, politics, 
physical appearance, whatever. So we're doing the same thing now. She's been doing it successfully for several years now and has married couples and all this stuff. So we're doing that for business people. And you could even say on a scale of one to 10, I'm a 10 in risk aversion, but I want to meet people that are one through three. And these are my goals. These are my ideal clients, but I don't, I mean, maybe I'll introduce you to someone. If you have that, that uh, solver, like I said, if you said, I need to meet uh, a bookkeeper for my business. I'll set you up with a bookkeeper. No problem. But the people that we're going to introduce you to, that might be one client, but I would rather introduce you to somebody who's going to get you 30 clients, right? Like get you that expander that is in your industry or a complementary skill set, or maybe even, you know, the yin and yang thing that my introvert and my partner's extrovert that we are able to uh, multiply and harvest our huge networks because of the loop. You got to meet her. You got to meet him. You got to meet her. We, we play off each other's strengths. And it took me a long time to find that. So this business is about hacks and inside tips. One of the things that I would say to take away is if you choose to have a business partner or if you're solo and you're going to have um, referral partners, collaborators, really find people that complement your skill set. Maybe people that speak your same language, sure. But having people that can bring out the best in you by just being themselves uh, has helped me a ton because we're building this giant national network and cold sales is not really my thing. Like you mentioned earlier, I can go on podcasts, I can get in the newspaper, I can go on TV and do the macro. And then I can do the one-on-ones. If I have somebody on my podcast, if I meet them at a photo shoot, somebody I already know, I can tell them to join our network. It's, it makes sense. But my selling style is based on relationships. And she can walk up to a stranger and have them love her in two minutes and sell to somebody in that lukewarm to cold space. But that is not where I live. And that's why I'm here. I'm the one who's going on podcasts and I'm the one who's doing one-on-one relationships. Whereas she is out there talking to thousands of people at a time, telling them how cool our new business is. Yeah, it's it's incredibly important. I see far too often people get into business with a partner who's exactly like them, who has the exact same strengths and weaknesses. And that's a huge mistake because then you have nobody that can take over the work that you're not cut out for. Um, another one is you, I don't believe in getting into business with a friend, somebody that you've known for years that you think of like an extension of your own family. It's never going to work out. Um, you know, Penn and Teller have been together for almost 50 years and they have been saying this entire time, the secret to their longevity is that they're not friends. They've never spent the holidays together. They'll call each other and say, you know, happy Thanksgiving or whatnot. But after they're done performing, they go their separate ways. And they said that that's one of the reasons that they can even stomach to be in the same room as each other. And they, they don't really have disputes like that. So it's really important. Um, here, really quickly, uh, before the uh, pandemic started, when uh, business networking events were still all over the place, my friend uh, wanted me to come with him to this one. And I said, it's nothing to do with my industry. I've, I'm, what do you need me there for? He's like, you know, I, I'm just going to be nervous and we'll get a beer. Listen, I'll buy you drinks afterwards. It'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. Finally, I begrudgingly went. But I said, you know what? I'm going to have a little bit of fun here. So every time I went up to somebody, whatever they did, it didn't matter what industry they were in. I said, you know what? I got the guy, the perfect person for you to meet. Mike, come over here. 
And I'd introduce him and say something like, by the way, Mike is a world-class beatboxer or freestyle rapper or something <laughs> where I'd put him on the spot and say, here, give him a sample. He never asked me to go with him to another networking event after that. Oh, love that. What an icebreaker. It's, oh, it's great. Cause now he, he either has to actually perform or look like an idiot and I could always scot free. Oh, um, so clever. If you're going to talk to somebody that this is their very first business, their first venture, what piece of advice would you tell them? You know, would you give them to try and give them an advantage? Sure. It's interesting because for a long time, I work with a lot of college students and have a lot of interns. And I always encourage people to sell some stuff on eBay. Like just go ask one of your family friends if you could sell, do a garage sale for them. Because learning things about taxes, learning things about if you have an online business, you don't think about setting up uh, sales tax in different states or shipping costs or lose your shorts a couple of times, sell something that's too big to go in a flat rate box and you pay 90% of it in shipping. And then you get popped on service fees and then you make $0. But whether you're ever going to sell a physical product or not, or do e-commerce, just learning some of those fundamentals of bookkeeping and accounting. I say, uh, lean into your strengths. If you're not a finance person, hire a bookkeeper, but I also help people who bootstrap, who start with $0. And so learning some of those fundamentals is big. And one thing that you mentioned that, uh, is still a little bit triggering for me is when you're in a business partnership with someone, you're also in a partnership with their spouse or significant other or string of those or whatever it is. And you have to think about that. I've been in situations where we had uh, a liquor license or a patent or something that is, is very concrete and you have to have background checks and some significant financial information. But even in the, or I, you know, we were vetted for a reality TV show and they said, is your dog cool? How many friends do you have? just did not like me. And whenever I said anything to him, he would just kind of glaze over because he was going to go home and show every email that I sent to him to his wife. And I could tell like she wrote the messages that I was getting back. And after a couple of years, they had children and wanted to change their focus. And she didn't want him to be in a startup anymore. And you don't think about that. We had a lot of other undoings. I don't blame anything on his wife. Uh, but I had some serious grief in the growth of my business, which held me back and inevitably um, ended the business that largely was seeded by this one person who I didn't even expect to interact with when I started the business with a friend. Yeah, no, that, that's absolutely right. And that's something that you nobody ever thinks about or is nobody has ever told. And you're not only in business with their spouse, you're in business with their whole family. Because if there's a deadline and they have uh, their kid has an emergency, falls off the monkey bars and breaks their arm and they have to rush the kid to the hospital, this deadline may not be met. And it's not a direct fault of theirs, you know, of their own, but it's a reality of what can happen and what does happen. So you have to kind of be aware of that and be able, you know, have the mindset to know that if you need to pivot, you've got to pivot. No doubt. Um. That's awesome, man. If people want to learn more about you, about founderist.club, um, 
contact you? How, what's the best way for them to do this? Yeah. So we have a relatively new Instagram. It is also at founderist.club. And my handle is andy.the.daydreamer. Most of my businesses are called Daydreamer. Uh, and our business is, I just told you that selling is not my thing, but our business, just to put this very clear for everybody, you all know uh, an event series or a networking group or a coach that's pitched you on something that costs upwards of $10,000 probably or there's a big monthly commitment, or there's something where you don't know what return you're going to get. Or like Josh said, you show up to, you show up to a pitch event and no one in the audience is even a business owner. They just want to see the people who are presenting and sell them insurance or whatever. Uh, or you go to a thing and it's all real estate people and that doesn't work for you. So our business is one payment. It's $799. And that's the year membership. You get the one-on-one -on -one introductions for right now, virtual coffee dates until we get big in specific markets, probably Denver, Portland, Seattle are where we're based. Um, and then online speed events where you get introduced to several people in an evening and mastermind and referral groups. But we're putting together all these opportunities where you can take as much as you want and we curate it all. It's interesting to say that we have this proprietary method that we use and this software that we developed because that. And we've developed this massive database and software that compares them and we can sort in all these different ways. And then we have delivery mechanisms to put them together and get them on a, get them on a live stream or get them on a chat room or anything like that. And an environment that we've created to do that. So we set out to make a thousands of dollar value multiple uh, for this one thing, you know, that's cheaper than getting one lead. And you have gathered over this chat that I have really decided to go into business making social change. I design beer cans for a living, you know, like me as a guy in the network, I'm a marketing dude. I do package development for breweries, but as the creator of this, uh, I want to connect with those hyper-targeted people that love what I love, who love beer and video games, you know, <laughs> or who, who, play hockey and love Hollywood movies, whatever. And God, that was a terrible example, but you know, I have yeah. a client that has a lingerie line. I have a client that does oil drilling in Alaska. There's just so many things that we can connect through this unique system. And we've gone to painstaking lengths to make it affordable. So I'm the last person that will ever give a sales pitch. And I get grilled on this all the time. And that's one of the reasons why I come on podcasts. Cause I hope, the last 45 minutes have been in some way entertaining or insightful for people. But my current thing that I'm proud about is this business founderist.club and you can join it and you'll have a direct interview with either myself or my co-founder. We not the pyramid of people, not interns, not assistants. You will have a intake meeting with me and tell me all about your business so we can riff and make plans and come up with ideas. And that's what I live for. So Josh, I really appreciate you giving me the platform. I know Very we've gone cool. longer one than- Quick question. Yeah, one quick question about that. Do uh, 
people need to be local to those different areas or can you be based anywhere in the country and still be able to work with business owners who are based elsewhere? Anywhere in the country. If you're in Miami and you say all my preferences are to rank, we want to meet people in Miami first, it might take me a little while to get those versus other people in your industry. Uh, but you get to rank it based on what your what your goals are. And we are working with people uh, in 50 US states right now and people who do the virtual nomad thing. So the only qualifications are you are a business owner. Um, we're not working right now with multi-level marketing people. Um, we're not working with maybe like franchise owners. And uh, you can't use this purely as a lead generator, but uh, that's what we're all doing it for. So you're going to tell us about the kind of people you'd like to meet, and you never know what will spawn from that. I moved to Denver. This is my last quick thing. I moved to Denver, didn't know anyone. And I got on Bumble Biz, the swiping app, but went on like the business version. And I met mm -hmm. this woman the next day and she said, if you let me cut your hair, you'll never go to anyone else again. And she was a barber. I was like, sweet, I need a haircut. I don't know anybody here. And I went, met with her. And within an hour, I invested in her business and we opened a private barber club that services all of these businessmen of Denver. And she's built it into a bar and an event space. And I would have, I wasn't trying to invest in businesses. I don't know anything about beauty or hospitality. And for three years, I was a part owner of a, of a speakeasy barbershop just because I let someone reach out to me and slide into my DMS. So you got to cool. just be open to opportunities because you never know, you might not be looking for a co-founder or getting into a different industry, but something could slap you in the face. A global pandemic could come that makes all your clients go away. And that's what I ride with the waves. I gather that you ride with the waves. And that's kind of my last thing for everybody is, you know, stop and take a deep breath and look at what's around you every once in a while, because there might be somebody sitting five feet away who could change your life. And um, if you're too shy to introduce yourself to them, give me a call and I'll introduce you to them. <laughs> That's awesome. Andy Pedic from Founders.club. Thank you very, very much for being here. Thank you for your time. This has been awesome. Everybody go check it out. There's no reason for you not to. If you have $799, it's stupid for you not to check this out. All right. Until next time, everybody, this has been uh, Josh Rosenberg for the Business Girls Podcast. Take care. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to the, the Business, Business Gorillas, Gorillas Podcast. If you're a highly successful entrepreneur and want to be a guest, go to businessgorillaspodcast.com and fill out the form. Remember to share us on social media. Click the subscribe button. Leave us a five-star rating and review if you got anything out of the show. Feel free to connect with us on social media. If you're looking to connect with world-class top marketers and some of the most experienced fractional chief marketing officers in the world today, head on over to verygoodmarketingconsultants.com. On behalf of your host, Josh Rosenberg, thank you for listening to the Business Gorillas Podcast.